Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the show, brother. Corey, excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Nice, nice. Listen, so one thing about real estate is there's so many different ways to make money in it. And this is going to be a little bit of a different show because normally we talk about multifamily or something to do with multifamily, but it's still a commercial asset. And really, that's where your specialty lies in is the commercial game, right? Buying commercial property. But before we kind of get dive into that, though, give everybody a little bit of your background and a little bit of your brief history so they can get an idea of who you are, Tyler. Yeah. So I dropped out of college after my freshman year. I had done sales right out of high school, did really well with that. And so I found myself sitting in class wondering what I was doing, taking classes I'd already taken after I made 30 grand in three months doing sales. So as soon as I got out, uh, moved back to Nashville, got a job offer from a boutique developer here in town that I had sold to in that previous job. He'd heard I was back in town. So he paid for me to get my real estate license and put me to work leasing his shopping centers, office buildings, and some industrial property here in Nashville. And I spent about two to three years on that before I put together my first development deal. One of the fortunate things about working for somebody in-house instead of working at a big brokerage firm was that I got to sit in on all the development meetings every week. So I learned how to put together a townhome development and found a site down in Bellevue, which was 42 townhomes that we ended up building and selling. And then in 2018, so this was four and a half years later, I left and started my own firm. So now we're a very vertically integrated commercial real estate firm. I've got a brokerage team, a property management team, and we develop projects ourselves. Beautiful, right? So let's break that down for a minute because that's pretty cool. Again, my only experience in buying these types of assets is my own building, right? I was like looking for some office space. I was like, well, why rent it when you can own it? right? That's right. (laughs) And so my experience with that was really interesting, but I used a broker to help me find a spot. And then of course, the spot I found had been vacant for a year and a half. I was like, oh God, that's got to suck for whoever the seller was, right? The seller, he was just the landlord, right? And then what happened was as soon as I got into my space, the other business failed. Oh gosh. And I was like, he's got to be just feeling like he's got to be throwing his hands up right now. Just when he thought, he was back to good. The other company went out of business. And I knew that because the guy went and threw a rock at his sign or something <laughs> like, oh, this didn't work out well, right? And so I was like, that's got to be an opportunity for me to call. And it was, right? And so what I found is like, man, I learned the value of triple net lease. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and look, that story is not uncommon in commercial real estate. And I think that's why a lot of people get afraid of it. In many ways, I actually think it's easier than apartments, depending on exactly what you're going for, right? I mean, it's on a risk reward scale, right? Your risk is far lower with multifamily, but your returns are far lower. If you're doing commercial right, your risk is a little bit higher, but your rewards are way higher. And the beauty of commercial real estate is that there's multiple different lease structures. So unlike multifamily where, yeah, sure, you can charge back for things here and there. Otherwise, it's pretty much a standard template. In commercial real estate, you as the landlord get to pick exactly how you want that lease to be structured. And every property has a different lease. So there are three primary different types of commercial leases. 
One is a full service gross where it's the tenant pays you one lump sum and the landlord pays all the expenses. There's modified gross, which is more similar to apartments where they pay you know one lump sum, but then they may also pay their electric bill. And then there's triple net, which is the golden ticket in commercial real estate. In my opinion, it's one of my favorite ways to structure these deals. And that is where the tenant pays their base rent, plus all of the additional expenses of operating that property, which are your three nets. So that's your common area maintenance, your property taxes, and building insurance. So the great thing as a landlord is if it snows that year and you didn't have that in your budget going into the year, well, that expense gets passed on to the tenants. It's not going to hit your bottom line and cause you to lose a return on profit that year. Yep. Or they want us to paint the whole exterior building, right? That's right. Common area maintenance. No problem. We'll paint the exterior building. You just shared in the cost of that. That's exactly right. I mean, it's pretty great. And the question that I get asked most frequently about triple net leases is why would a tenant want to do that? Well, more often than not, one, they don't have a choice, right? Like this is the lease structure. Two, it's a very common lease structure. I mean, almost every single retail lease out there is a triple net lease. Unless you start getting into like class C retail properties, you might have some full service leases. But three, it gives the tenants the ability to actually audit and hold the landlord accountable for the expenses being spent properly, right? So the tenant is paying me to do the landscaping. Well, they can say, hey, I'm paying my pro rata share of the landscaping. Why aren't you cutting the grass? Whereas in a full service gross lease, a landlord might say, you know what? I'm going to save a little bit of money this year and cut half as much as I did last year and put $1,000 in my pocket. So it actually works better in both parties' favors. Yeah, you get what you pay for, right? And you're seeing the real results from it, right? And so it's funny. I'm using my tenant. I have one tenant, right? And she's like, hey, we need to do this. We need to do that. I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. You should do it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but if it was a common area, like she's like, we need to replant these, you know, or I do this. I was like, listen, I have no problem. I'll do it, right? But like, I don't think she understands what's coming. Right. Cause at the end of the year, I'm going to do an audit and I'm going to be like, here's what we spend. And we're going to reassess our new um, assessment. Right. And pay more because we spend more. That's right. I mean, we do that at the beginning of every year to make sure because you can't predict what your expenses are going to be 100%, but you base it off what your expenses were last year. Right. So let's say all of our expenses last year added up to $3 a square foot. Well, that's what the tenant's going to pay monthly to the landlord. And then at the end of the year, it might be $3.25 a square foot. So the tenant will end up having to pay the difference. We're going to have a wash. Yes. That's your TIs, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's funny how that works, but it is a beautiful thing. And I'm really starting to benefit. Now I'm like, gosh, maybe I should own some more, right? Because like, again, it was not valuable until I found that tenant. And I think that's what you said earlier. This is the risk reward. If you know how to fill commercial space. That is a very valuable proposition, right? That's exactly right. I mean, that's what scares a lot of investors off from buying commercial property. And since I got started as a commercial real estate broker, I know going into every single investment, pretty much almost on spot, how long, how many months it's going to take for us to get at least and what that rate's going to be. Probable tenants are the right tenant to put in that spot. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Cause you want to be able to tailor your marketing too, right? You don't want to just say, Oh, it's a commercial space. I can go market this to any number of tenants out there. Well, 
if you've got a nail salon in your shopping center, you probably don't want to go market it to other nail salons. You want to think who is the customer that's going to the nail salon and what kind of businesses also want that same customer, right? So it could be a daycare, it could be a doctor's office. There's many different ways for you to approach your tenant base, but if you can find tenants that have the same customers, it makes business a lot easier for everybody. I don't even have to bother with trying to draw my customer. They're already coming here. This is my one-stop shop. I go here, here, and here. That's right. That's exactly it. And that becomes inherently way more profitable because when you're vacant, obviously you're vacant, right? There's no NOI there. And how do you exit? Now, so what is the exit? Like, what is the play for a typical kind of office deal? Is it buy and hold forever? Do you buy, fill, and then hold for just a bit and then sell? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, it depends on investor to investor and what your long term goals are, right? It can be very similar to multifamily. Maybe you're buying it for five to seven years because you don't get the interest only periods that you do on multifamily loans. But after five to seven years, you've depreciated a majority of the asset if you did a cost segregation study starting off. So after that point, maybe you want to sell it in 1031 exchange into something bigger and keep that cash rolling. But maybe you just want something that cash flows and is simple and you keep it forever. Commercial loans on this side of the spectrum have a five-year term, typically. I mean, you might be able to get one that's seven years or 10 years, but you're not going to be able to find something that's 15 or 20 usually. So we just plan every five years to refinance that property and our rents go up 3% a year. So as long as we are consistently raising our rents on the property and making some improvements here and there to make it more attractive to incoming tenants, then we know we'll be able to refinance it. These properties also sell on a cap rate, just like multifamily, right? So every lease that you sign just really adds to that NOI and therefore the value. Yeah, exactly. Now, what about rent increases? How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question because you're typically signing three to five to 10-year leases in some cases, right? So we put rent escalation clauses in all of our leases and we preset those usually on the front end. So we'll say, okay, you've got a five-year lease, but your rent's going to increase 3% every year. We also have done some where maybe it's a 10-year lease. We know that 3% is going to be pretty close, but after three years, we might have a CPI increase of five or 7%, kind of like what we saw pre-pandemic. And we're going to be well behind on what rental rates are at that time. So we'll set it so that in year six, basically on the second half of their lease, it actually adjusts to 100% of then market rates. So we'll go out, we'll do a market study. We'll say, okay, actually your rent's going to go up by 7% this year, and then it'll go up 3% every year thereafter. Yeah, that's smart. I'm not sure if I did that in my last lease, right? I did a 10-year lease, and I don't think I did that. I wish I would have talked to you first, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go for the next one. But I got a 3% increase every year and I was like, dude, I know I'm going to get a rent increase every year. Beautiful, right? I'm like, I don't have to think about it. It's triple net. I'm always making more money no matter if I spend more, right? Like I'm guaranteed a rising steady income stream, right? That's right. And so I was like, dude, I said it, forget it. Yeah. And your mortgage payments aren't going to go up, right? So I mean, you think about that every year. Typically, in multifamily, you bake in a cost of increases, right, for your costs. Because while your rents might go up, your insurance might go up or your property taxes might go up. But in a triple net lease, that gets passed on to the tenant. So you actually don't really have to worry about that. Doesn't even matter. That's right. Yeah, you're worried about all that stuff. It's not going to kill your profit. Exactly. And right now in the multifamily space, that is what's killing us is taxes, property taxes, and commercial 
insurance for these properties. Like the insurance game across the country has went skyrocket bananas. Man, I've heard insurance rates are just insane right now. I had a buddy that typically underwrites- 100% increase in some markets. Yeah. He typically writes like $300 a door for insurance and he got a quote back at $700 a door. Yeah. I don't know how you make those deals work. Dude, they don't. And really the cost of holding properties now is like, what in the hell? You're like, I'm going to sell it and make the same amount of money because the NOI, when I first bought this thing of that and I've owned it for five years, what the hell's happening? What's justifying that? I mean, I don't play too much in the multifamily world, but what's causing that? Um, I have no idea. I mean, you know, fear. Yeah, that makes sense. And scarcity. And I think all the insurance companies got together and just said, let's yeah. make money. Let's just charge everybody more. <laughs> it's global warming. We've had more hurricanes. I'm like, it's the same amount of hurricanes we have every damn year. Like, God bless me, dude. Oh, I know. And we're in Tennessee, so I don't know what kind of hurricanes we're getting, but it's crazy because that's what makes sense to me, right? Like you look at Florida, you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for their insurance rates to go up. Florida, Louisiana, you should be going up. Yeah, I get it, right? Even Oklahoma, right? We got tornadoes, right? Right. But tornadoes have been happening in Oklahoma since <laughs> real estate the was there. time. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, nothing's changed. It's the same risk. What the hell? Why does it warrant a 100% increase? Just a cash grab. It really is. Let's stick it to everybody. And then the markets are adjusting. And so you're taking it in the shorts and anything you've owned. Now, if you're buying something new, there you go, right? But again, I'm always trying to learn and say, where's my best place to put money, right? And I know what I know, but like, I don't know what I don't know. And Tyler, you know, a certain set of skills that would scare the hell out of me right? But from your perspective, you're like, dude, this is simple. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, I look at multifamily investors. I'm like, man, what you guys do scares the hell out of me. <laughs> exactly, right? And it's a way more intensive, lots more people, lots more moving parts. It is a monster, right? But I've built that monster. I understand that monster, right? And then I think about like the commercial space, and I say just the same thing. I'm like, God, how would I even fill a vacant property. I had no idea. I was like, I guess I'd have to call some brokers now and say, guys, help me fill my building. But you've even gained the system because you have your own brokerage in that aspect, right? Yeah, it makes it way easier. I talk to a lot of people in the multifamily world. And the thing that I always relate it back to is you didn't know how to buy your first apartment complex, right? Like, how did you figure that out? No, you read books and you found a mentor and you went into your first deal with a partner that showed you the ropes. And that's what I recommend. It's like, okay, you might be used to doing your own multifamily deals by yourself because you've been doing it for five, seven, 10 years, however long. But going into the commercial world, just find a partner, find somebody to kind of show you the ropes because they'll make your life so much easier. And once you get into it, I think you'll realize like, yeah, this is actually pretty sweet. Hey, this is Shelly Peterson, Corey's better half. My husband shares amazing stories of the good, bad, and ugly of apartment investing. And while many of you want to do this yourselves, we have found that a lot of you would like to invest alongside with us. If that is you, I want to invite you to get on a short webinar where we discuss our deal room and how you can be a part of our private investor club. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and register now. You won't be disappointed. Again, go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and we look forward to sharing our private deal room with you. Yeah, that's really the best way. The easiest way to get any new asset class Find someone's already doing it well and be like, hey, listen, let me add value. Like, 
if you're good at raising capital, say, hey, Tyler, wink, wink, wink. <laughs> Let's do some business together, brother. <laughs> That's right. I mean, when I spoke at your mastermind here in Nashville, shout out to Cashflow, I met Axel and Andrea and they are doing car washes. And that's something that I'm very interested in doing. So guess who I've been talking to about trying to figure out how to do car washes? Axel and Andrea, because I don't want to try and figure this out on my own. I'd rather bring them in, give them a piece of it and get actual expert guidance as I go on that path. Yeah, exactly. It's really crazy how that works, but that is the world. Copy your way to success, right? You just find someone that you can mentor with and then the mentor is the key. That's exactly it. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. I mean, there's a process for it. Just jump on somebody else's train that's already rolling. Yeah. So in that commercial space, so you're in Nashville. So is it something like needs to be local? You need to be close to it? Or do you invest outside of your locality? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So I've got a project down in Chattanooga and we kind of look at investing anywhere within two hours of Nashville, but I have to have a big enough project out there to justify having the team work on. So Chattanooga was the first spot that we found one. So we're looking at building a bigger base there, but commercial real estate investors can buy property all over the country. You don't have to invest where you live, depending on the type of deal you're doing. If you're buying triple net leases, or even better, if you're buying single tenant net lease deals like a Starbucks, you don't ever have to go visit that property. My brokerage team handles transactions across the country for investors from California to New York that are looking to buy triple net properties down in Florida. From A-class tenants, they can just get a nice little good They just want that 3% increase bump, hold it for a while, long time, not have any headaches. That's exactly right. Because you know these tenants will sign 10, 15, 20-year base leases. And then they'll typically have two, three, four, five-year options on that. So you don't have to worry about that coming available anytime soon. And if you're buying something like a Starbucks, chances are good. That's in a high traffic area. It's a very visible parcel. And if Starbucks ever leaves, there's going to be another tenant that wants to take that. Prime location usually, right? Prime location. We had a client out of California that closed a deal out in North Carolina, and he never went and saw it, but he bought it for $2 million. All you have to do, we looked at the lease and we had a property inspector go out there and made sure that title was good. That's all that he needed to do. Collect the checks, baby. That's right. It's pretty nice. Single tenant net leases are kind of considered the bonds of commercial real estate. So you're not going to get rich on these, but they are incredibly safe and incredibly consistent. Because you've got AAA corporate entities that are backing these leases, right? I mean, you'll never have anything like that in a multifamily property and sometimes not even in industrial properties or local strip centers. Uh, So we're actually selling some land here in Nashville. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to 1031 exchange that into a Starbucks and forget about it. Yeah, that's your forget about it money. Like It's going to set an autopilot. That's retirement. It's going to show up. It's going to keep growing. And there it is, right? That's right. I'll get a check every month for the next... 15 years before I even have to worry about it. Dude, I'm in the wrong business. (laughs) (laughs) And I get to do a cost segregation and depreciate the hell out of it and save some money on taxes. Tyler, we're going to work together. I'm going to tell you that right now. We're going to work together because I was like, I'm thinking about when I sell some of my big projects, I'm like, maybe I need to put some of that portion of that into some of these things you're talking about, set it and forget it. And just kind of have that be my everlasting gobstopper. It's great, man. I mean, that's pretty much how I'm approaching my portfolio now. So we have the active deals that were value add or ground up development where we're typically syndicating our capital for those. And then as soon as those sell, I'm going, okay, I'm going to put this money 
into a triple net asset and forget about it. And then we'll go do another active one, take that cash, throw it into a triple net asset and forget about it. And after you do that 10 times, you'll be making enough passive income that you won't ever have to worry about it. You don't even care. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, well, what am I doing? I'm just collecting my checks and I got even someone collecting that and managing that. And I don't have to really do anything. I'm just going to go out and be on my yacht doing something fun. That's exactly it. Then you're hiring somebody else to manage your family office and they're the ones writing checks for other people where you're getting these two to three X returns and doing nothing there too. Doesn't sound like a bad gig, brother. I know. That's the power of commercial triple net, right? <laughs> That's right. I've got a buddy. His name's Ryan Stackhouse. He's been on my show a couple of times. He started off as a multifamily investor. And I had a coffee meeting with him like five years ago. I was like, Ryan, drop the multifamily, start buying triple net assets. Here's how you do it. And I just walked him through the whole process. He actually took it like 100% to heart. Most people are like, okay, I'll buy one, I'll buy two, You know, we'll try it out. He sold all of his multifamily assets, bought a bunch of triple net properties, and now he just travels with his family full-time across the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. Collecting checks. Right. Well, obviously, there's a right way to buy those triple net leases. You don't just go buy anything. You just got to be smart about it. But again, once you set them up, they've got built-in rent growth. They got like all the things you'd really still want, right? That's exactly right. Just compare them to multifamily properties, right? I mean, you could go buy a shopping center at a 9% cap rate, but what does that imply, right? Like what would a multifamily property at a 9% cap rate imply to you, right? There's probably a lot of deferred maintenance and a lot of work. Whereas you could buy a 6% cap rate shopping center and it's anchored by Target or Walmart. And you know that there's always going to be customers coming there and you don't have to worry about it at all. Hey, would you like to learn more about Kahuna Investments in our deal room? Let's do virtual coffee. Book a 15-minute call with us so we can learn more about your investment goals and how Kahuna Investments can help. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee to book your call today. Again, that's kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee. Let's have some virtual coffee and get to know one another. So in something like that, let's say I bought the whole thing. I got a big base tenant, which is your Home Depot or something like that. And it's situated with all these little shopping centers inside of the whatever. And then two or three go vacant, right? Now they go vacant and then you want to go find a tenant for them. A new tenant's going to come in. What about like tenant improvements, TIs, right? Like, is that something you got to have cash setting aside to do that? How does that usually work? Yeah. First off, if your spaces are going vacant, I would be yelling at your leasing agent because they should know six months ahead of time that those spaces are coming available and they should have you a lease signed before that even happens. But yes, in that scenario, it depends on the style of the shopping center and what kind of tenants you're going for. Fortunately, a lot of retail spaces are pretty similar, right? I mean, a nail salon could very easily be converted into a chiropractor's office. You just got to add a couple of walls. And so you as the landlord could put that money up to pay for that and take the depreciation, which is always nice, right? But you're also probably going to raise the rent on the tenant. Because what I do is I'll say, okay, look, if I'm going to spend, let me bring my calculator out right now. If I'm going to spend $20,000 to fix up your space, I'm going to charge you 8% interest over 60 months. So that's $405 a month that I've got to add to your rent to amortize that out. So you can actually really game it, right? So you're getting paid 8% on the cash you're putting into it and you're getting the depreciation out of it. And the tenant goes, oh, yeah, for $405 a month, I'm happy for you. Ah, that's good. God, I wish I would have had you when I was negotiating, right? So I did a TI 
I think you might give them $50,000, right? Now, they put in another fifty themselves, so that was kind of cool. Right. Right, so they built up a really nice space for medical office, right? Half of my side of my building is medical office grade. That's a great tenant to have. Yeah, so if they ever leave, I'm like, adios, right? Like, I got a beautiful medical building that someone else could come in real quick and there's plenty of those looking around right that's right and it's already built and so my prices are going to go up yeah that's exactly it at least that's what i think right yeah because you're going to put some money into it right and then the tenant puts you know they double that now the space is worth even more yeah and they're still going to put some more money into it the next one because he's got to get it exactly how he needs it it's mainly there but he might have said, well, I'm going to take this wall next. I want to open up this one spot or whatever. Like, great, right? And like what you said, okay, well, you need 20 grand for me. No problem. Let me do the math. You're like, okay, that's 400 bucks at 8%. Um, let me just put that in the lease structure. And it all works out. Even though I'm putting the money, it's like, lend my money and I'm going to do it and I'm going to get blank. That's right. And it increases the value of your property. And a 3% increase. Yes. Yeah, it increases 3%, but you think about that. So I didn't do that. I didn't do that math, Tyler, on the one that I did. But now that I understand it, I used another broker and he's like, well, you know, look, here's what I can do. And he was brokering the whole thing and like he knew what he knew. But if I would have had that knowledge, I would have been like, okay, here's what I'm willing to do, right? Yeah, I mean, in that scenario, like one of the reasons I love doing that, right? Like you can only have so much cash, right? So there's only so many times that you can really do this. But let's say the tenant does agree to paying $405 a month, you're putting $20,000 into it, that increases your NOI, right? So at the end of the year, at a 7% cap rate, your $20,000 has added $69,500 worth of value to the property. Yeah, it's a multiplier on the all different ways, right? So you're getting 8% on your money and you're getting a multiplier effect called cap rate on that. That's exactly it. I mean, it's tough to beat that. Triple net, win, 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 win. <laughs> Those are the three nets. <laughs> <laughs> now, what can go wrong? How do you screw this up? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that I see a lot of landlords get wrong is they don't get personal guarantees from their tenants. They'll just have the business sign the lease, right? Well, if you're the tenant, yeah, of course you want the business to just sign the lease because you can just close an LLC tomorrow and walk away if anything goes wrong. Yeah, we went bankrupt. Sorry. Exactly. Whereas we have all of our tenants sign personal guarantees. So that means that even if the business fails, they are still personally on the hook. And most people aren't willing to file personal bankruptcy. That's pretty much the only way that they could get out of a personal guarantee. And that's not really the path that most people are going to want to take. So get your personal guarantees. I think that'll protect you in case a tenant ever moves out. Now, Tyler, I did do that, right? There you go. They got a 10-year lease. But I was like, for 10 years, I got to get a personal guarantee because like, we're going out a long ways. And what happens if you fail? Exactly. Because you're coming out of pocket, right? You're paying $50,000 in TI. Yeah, exactly. That was my whole thing. It's like, I'm going to go put all this money into your stuff and I'm assuming you're going to ride it all the way out. But if you don't, then I'm out. And what if I have to pay another TI for the new person coming after you? There's my risk. That's exactly it. And that's not your only cost, right? Because you're paying a broker 4 to 6% on that lease. You're paying your attorney to draft the lease. You have real expenses in it. So it's very important for you to protect your downside. 
We always do credit and background checks on our tenants. The great thing about commercial real estate is that you can dig into their financials as much as you want. There is no such thing as fair housing in commercial real estate. So if I want to look at everybody's bank statements for the last 12 months, if I want to look at everybody's credit scores, I can look at their balance sheets, their personal financials. I can look at their personal assets. It doesn't matter. I can ask for everything if I want it. Yeah, that's beautiful, right? It gives you the certainty when you go into a 10-year lease that you know who you're getting into bed with. Yeah. So what does the future look like for you, Tyler? You've built a really good business. What does it look like five years down the road, five, 10 years down the road? Man, that's a great question. And three years ago, I would have probably had a completely different answer for you. But we started a YouTube channel back in the pandemic, and I've enjoyed teaching people through that platform. And that kind of brand has grown on its own. So it's really fun to focus on that. Back then, it would have been, hey, we just want to build a tower on the Nashville skyline. And now I'm kind of shifting that. I'm going, you know what? I want more of the passive income opportunities to where I don't have to be so active to where I have to do that or want to do that. So I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, we'll syndicate capital for value-add projects. We'd usually do very funky things. We bought a one and a half million square foot wool mill out in Chattanooga. We did a six-bay car wash. We converted into five micro restaurants and a bar. So we do very different things. And I'm going to go out and do a handful of those, keep taking that money and throwing it to the side into a triple net deal and just build up that passive income. Amen. Right? That's called the everlasting gobstopper. That's it. Once you get it big enough, it never stops, dude. It keeps on rolling. And meanwhile, you get to live the life that you want to do with the people that you want to do it with. Exactly. Yeah. I'm hoping in 15 years, I've got a cattle ranch and I'm not going to an office anymore. Amen to that. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on this podcast and share some of that knowledge. If people want to learn a little bit more about your education and how to get a hold of you, where do they go? Yeah, absolutely. So best place to get in touch with me, if you actually want to talk about commercial real estate, it's on Instagram. I'm very active over there. You either type in my name, Tyler Cobble, or at Commercial in Nashville. And if you want to learn more about how commercial real estate investing works, check out my YouTube channel. It's just at Tyler Cobble. Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks a lot for that, man. Guys, go check him out. Tyler's the real deal. Like He'll give it to you straight. That's what I love. I love straight talk. I love saying, here's what I've learned. Here's the good, bad, the ugly. I wouldn't do this again. I would do this. That's wisdom, right? Because he's been in the business and he's cut his teeth in it, right? Like He really knows the ins and outs of the business. And that means everything, by the way, right? Tyler, so for people that need encouragement or like if you were to give any advice to kind of some of the newer entrepreneurs out there, what would you tell them? It's not as hard as you think it is. You know, when I was first getting started, I always thought, oh, there's one more book I can read. There's one more coffee meeting I can take. There's one more podcast I can listen to. But you know what? Really, what it comes down to is just getting out there and doing your first deal. So find that mentor. Don't be afraid to give them 90, 95% of the deal. You really just want the experience for your first one. If you can make money, great. But just get out there and find a way to make it happen. Amen to that. Appreciate that. And any books you've been reading, anything that you've read that lately that's really turned the needle for you? Man, Walkable City by Jeff Speck is one of my favorite books. It actually completely changed my thought process behind urban design. I thought shrinking our roads down to two lanes and having bike paths and larger sidewalks was really bad for traffic and really bad for neighborhoods. Until I read that and actually understood the science behind it, and it actually makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great book that every real estate investor should read because we do all have an impact on the built environment and the way people live in our day-to-day lives. 
Amen. Amen. Well, Tyler, thanks again for taking the time to come on this podcast and share some of your wisdom and insight. It has been a pleasure, my friend. Uh, guys, this is the reason, again, like smash that like button, share us, get the word out. We bring real guests that have real perspectives that can give you insights on different types of business. That's what we do here each and every week, guys. You know, success does not happen by chance. It starts with an idea, guys. It really is. It's this little seed, seedling. And nothing happens to that seed until you fertilize it. You got to put it in some soil and then you got to tend it and garden it. As soon as you plant something, guess what starts to happen? Weeds, right? Weeds start trying to show up. You got to remove that stuff. These are usually your friends, your family. Anytime you start something new, these are the ones that are going to shit on your ideas, right? You got to remove them. These are like weeds in your garden. You got to pick them out, right? Your tree can't bear fruit if it doesn't have the right foundation, guys. Guys, it really starts with that dream, that seedling. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible. Mm-hmm.